Hello, and welcome to today's workshop, Research with Entrepreneurs with the Writing Center. This workshop is brought to you by Pathfinder. Pathfinder is an extracurricular program for incoming first and second year Northeastern students, and we provide a safe and inclusive space for students to discuss and pursue their passions. If you haven't already joined Pathfinder, you can sign up on our website. Our applications are rolling and open to any first and second year Northeastern students. Also on our website, you can find links to the moderator applications, which are open to third, fourth, and fifth year Northeastern students, as well as recent graduates. And if you're looking for more information about our program and additional resources, that can also be found on our website. Um, if you're looking for more of our workshops from the past semester, um, you can check out our YouTube channel and our podcast. And I will now pass it over to Northeastern's Writing Center. And that is us. <laughs> Hi, everyone. So uh, as I said, this, my name is Isabel sarbal Campos. I'm director of the Writing Center. And I'm joined here with Nina Moawat and Caroline Grant. And, um, Nina is our assistant director and Caroline outreach director and we're here to go over some some important research skills that you might make use of as you develop your projects uh, and at Northeastern. We're going to be focusing uh, because of Pathfinder into uh, thinking about research for entrepreneurs and we as we really thinking about the question of research we are dividing this, this presentation into thinking about um, how do we go, how do we do this process of research, right? What are some of the tools out there, both at, through the library and just Google? Um, and also what are some things you might wanna consider as you, you know, look over materials that can be quite overwhelming. How do you determine what's useful for you? Issues having to do with the relevance for your projects, for sure, um, types of materials you're looking at and for sure, also authority and bias issues. Are these materials relevant? Can I trust them? First thing I wanna talk about and is whether you're developing a project, there's always an underlining research question that's motivating your choices and determining what you put into the system, the databases, and what you get out, right? So having a research question is not something you just do for research papers, although you do that, <laughs> but certainly for however you're, you know, the, the more you can articulate a question that speaks to the project you're developing, the better you're going to find materials that help you think through that project and connect all the dots, right? So um, we have an example here for you. Say you're, you're, you're looking at um, crowd funding new technologies, um, presently, right? So a, a question like that, and this is sort of a working question that as you move through the research project is likely to change and to uh, become more refined as well um, as you, you know, kind of really figure out what you're doing. But let's just think about our example here. How does crowdfunding affect the development of new technologies in the 21st century? So that might be your sort of working question that it's uh, guiding you to um, in your approach to these different databases that we're gonna look at, okay? So one thing to, to think about, so you lay out, you write the research question as best as you can and, and do not um, worry too much whether it is the best research question because it's likely to change as you um, are researching. It's just the nature of research that you always, it's like this recursive process. Think of it as like a feedback loop or a circle that keeps like returning and changing and um, everything you find affects your assumptions and the given that you bring into the into the research. But let's just say you decide that your keywords are crowdfunding and one thing, crowdfunding new technologies in 21st century markets, right? And so one thing you can do, it's really thinking about um, networks of language, other words that 
kind of are related to it in the case of crowdfunding, crowdsourcing, grassroots fundraising, Kickstarter, um, new technologies. You may want to think of invention, innovation, process, entrepreneurship, and uh, obviously 21st century market. These are the words, capitalism, global finance, information technology, uh, and maybe as you continue with this project, a hypothetical project, you realize you're really interested in a sector of the economy or in a type of technology. And of course, all that's gonna, again, uh, fine tune this, this question that you started with. So you wanna think about words that you can plug into a database um, that can get around sort of the nexus of ideas that you're looking to find. And so we get here into uh, Boolean operators, which are these um, lovely words <laughs> we use in speech all the time, but they're really uh, teaching the system, the database to pick up some things, um, isolate a chunk uh, of material within the larger uh, uh, results you get. So they are really, really useful. Now, there's kind of these three universals here. So if you're look, looking to, to, for example, look at uh, have uh, the system pick up results that include innovation and new technology. So you want art, you know, you want to get these two terms, you use the word and so that means that everything that contains these two terms you want to see. So you want to see crowdsourcing and innovation and information technology in the example right here, but or or, or um, you want to um, say, for example, all the articles that spell out 21st century with a number and uh, written out you want 21st century century or 21st century spelled out then you use the or because you let the system know that those these these two these two things are important to you or you want to exclude something and typically you do that when you when there's so many like results that show up and you realize i need to exclude this one term right so in this case an example would be crowdfunding but not peer-to-peer -peer lending. So while and or not are pretty universal, different um, subject-specific databases sometimes have their own quirks. So if you know that you are going to look and use a particular database a lot, it's always good to look at what the uh, the site itself has, has a place where you can go look at the Boolean operators and some of the recommendations they make because there's slight variation. So the thing also with with research, I find that it's important is to, in a notebook, wherever you want to take that note, record the research process, like what 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 um, keywords um, did you use and, and 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 not, because as you go on and do a, 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 a research that might be lengthy, might take you like a month or whatever it is, it's it's good to keep track so that you don't find every time you go back to the computer, you're finding your way again, rather than building on what you've discovered. So I think taking notes is an important um, process thing that I would do, that I, I do for myself and I, I recommend doing that. So um, one scholar is that general research that the library has, the, the general window research function and going to subject guides allows you to really narrow that to your interests. Obviously Google Scholar is always an option. You can always do that through Northeastern as well. Um, just easy, but you can also just go plain old Google. And um, chances are, if you're working on, you know, startups or things like that, that government websites are helpful. Um, they'll, they have all kinds of government data, uh, initiatives, statistics, um, things like that. You might find 
um, and that should be up to date so that you may find it really helpful and um, to look at. So I'm going to pass it on now to, I believe, Caroline. Thank yeah. you, Isabel. Um, so like Isabel said, I'm Caroline. Um, I'm the outreach coordinator um, with the Writing Center this summer. Um, and so we're going to go over the different types of research documents that you might encounter while you're doing your research. Um, so the first one are primary sources. These provide a firsthand account of events or evidence, and they usually don't interpret or provide critiques of that eminence. So examples like this that you see often are diaries and correspondence such as letters, things like interviews, government data and statistics, and works of literature that you might also be using. Um, those are all primary sources. Um, what you're going to see a lot of, honestly, when you're doing these searches are secondary sources, and these offer an analysis, critique, or interpretation of these primary sources. So a lot of things that you'll see are journal articles, academic books, political commentary, um, dissertations, things like this. Um, you're going to use a lot of these in your research um, just to sort of, you want to see what other people's perspectives are and you might want to push back on those perspectives or you just want to integrate them into your research conversation. And then we have things like tertiary sources, which are sources that organize and compile other sources. Tertiary sources can be something informal like that, just looking at another author's work cited page, or they can be dictionaries, encyclopedias, things like indexes in the back of academic books or, um, or other kinds of bibliographies. Um, and so when you're doing your research, you want to research thoroughly and read widely. Um, the more knowledge you have on your topic, the easier it will be to plan and write. And there might be articles that exist in this sort of like gray area. You're like, it's sort of relevant, but it's not quite relevant enough for me. I would keep it anyway, because they can offer like last minute insights that you didn't think um, that you would want. And it's kind of fun going down like the Google Scholar or the Northeastern Library rabbit hole, in my opinion. And as Isabel showed us, one source can lead to a trail of other useful sources, um, including works cited pages. And as you go along, you want to keep your sources organized. You can use whatever system works for you. There's no right or wrong way. You can use note cards. You can make like an organized folder um, on your computer. You can use a Word document, or you can have a citation management service um, like Zotero. And so when you're looking at your sources, these are the sort of things that you want to go over in terms of evaluating, like, is this a good source for me to use? Um, so different fields have different standards about this. It depends on what you're doing. Um, stuff like the social sciences and the humanities in terms of currency and when it was published have a bit of a broader range. Generally anything in the last 20 years is good. But if you're working on something that's about like cutting edge sciences, right? You don't want to use be using an article from 1996 um, as one of your sources. You want to be using something from like 2018 on or 2015 on. You just want to make sure that it's current enough for your research and that you're not sharing outdated information. Um, in terms of coverage or the relevance, you want to make sure it's relevant to your research and does it cover the topic for your needs. You want to make sure the credentials of the authors are generally good. If it's a peer-reviewed peer article, they typically are, um, especially if they have university affiliations. Um, there are some scholars uh, who have been, you know, quote-unquote discredited in academia. You just want to make sure you're not using those people. Um, accuracy, is this accurate information and can you verify that information? If it sounds too good to be true, right, it's probably too good to be true. If it's this amazing like scientific result, you know, you want to make sure that the um, results have been replicated in a different study um, to verify that information. And then the objectivity. It's like the author's purpose in creating the source. Like, is it useful for you? Like I said, every secondary source that you find, like a journal article, um, they generally have a stance or a position, especially if it's some sort of criticism of earlier results or different articles. Um, and so you want to keep that author's positionality in mind when you're thinking about um, if this source is useful to you. If it's a magazine article and it was written for a different audience than what you were writing, it's okay to read it 
and get information from it. It just might not want to be a source that you formally use in your paper. Um, and I think I'm turning it over to Nina now. Yep. Thanks, Caroline. Yep. Okay. So moving on um, from that, just like you have all of your research, you have everything. Now it's like time to write the paper. You need to identify which aspects of that research is important for you to use. So it's, it's necessary to understand that bias is going to be everywhere. Like as long as you have an opinion, there's going to be bias, but you want to try and figure out which articles um, try to avoid that bias as much as possible. You wanna try and look up who the writers of those articles are, for example. You might want to try and see, you know, if like um, a scientist is writing about um, climate change and says that climate change isn't a thing and then like you look it up and it turns out that they're funded by like a petrol company that's bias so you want to make sure that you're actually going through all of those steps and that the research that's being done is as objective as possible even though there's no like pure objectivity yeah you want to figure out ways to incorporate it maybe into your own paper so that's something that i struggled with when i first started writing research papers because you can use papers that you don't agree with necessarily as well in your papers. You don't have to just find articles that support your arguments. You can also use stuff that um, you can argue against, right? So articles are basically, or research is just like conversations that are happening. You can agree and disagree with them. So just that there, just because there's bias in a specific paper doesn't mean that you can't use it, but you need to be able to use it um, in a, in a productive way. And so moving on to one of um, the last phases of the research process, and it's wanting to make sure, like Caroline said, you have all of your, your research, you have all of your articles, you want to keep those on hand just so that when you, if you want to like publish or like give, um, submit your paper, you want to make sure that nothing is plagiarized. Sometimes even if you don't directly quote something, if you read it and like it's sitting inside your head and like you're thinking about it and you write it down and you're no longer able to find that article again, that's just going to make your life complicated for no reason. So if you use systems like Zotero, for example, you can just like save all of those articles there. Sometimes I even look up articles I read a couple of years ago that I thought I wouldn't need and I end up needing right um and you want to make sure that you're citing correctly um you know for the humanities we usually use mla for so social sciences apa engineering ieee um they sometimes update them every year or every couple of years so you want to make sure either to look at the official handbooks you can look at purdue owl the website i almost always have that open or you can come to the writing center as well. You know, you, you can just have someone help. Um, and that's moving on to the last slide um, and ending. You know, the writing center is always going to be open. We're open this summer uh, for online appointments, uh, weekdays nine to nine, and then weekends nine to one. And you can come with any stage of the writing process. So you can come with just like a research question that you're thinking about or with ideas that you're wanting to develop but you ha you don't know how or if you just have a first draft um, or want to work on citations so any process um, that includes writing you can just come to the writing center and have someone um, help out and you know 
give you some ideas. And that's it. Uh, if you guys have any questions for us, we still have some time, I think, to go over those. Yeah, so much. Yeah, just just to follow up on um, on Nina. Yes, you'll have like forty five minutes with a tutor, and that's like priceless. Just someone there that can listen to you and um, you know engage with your work and your thoughts and ideas. So I think amazing. <laughs> so yeah, if you have any questions. Yeah, thank you so much, all of you, for presenting. Um, I had a question about, say, you're interested in becoming a tutor or working with the Writing Center in that capacity. Um, is there a way to get involved that way? Yes, we typically are um, are always sort of hiring. Um, um, I mean, not with not during COVID, but I don't think that's <laughs> not. Uh, um, um, a model. <laughs> yes, mm -hmm. what you do is that you um, send us um, your resume and you send us um, a writing sample, academic writing sample, and uh, we put it on file. And um, um, when we do need uh, tutors en masse, we put out a call through student employment. So uh, yes, if you're interested and passionate about writing, definitely um, shoot, shoot us an email. Um, and there are other ways to get involved at the Writing Center. Um, if you don't want to be a tutor, or you feel like you don't have the time, or we're not hiring or whatever, um, the Writing Center hosts events, and I think those events will actually be in person this fall. Um, so we have like the Day of Writing in October, um, and then we have Writers Week, um, and these are really great ways. Um, you know, meet tutors, just talk to other people about your writing in like a really informal and casual and fun way. Um, we're still working on planning. Um, the events for those in the fall, but that's, that's another way to get involved if we're not hiring as well. Yes, and thanks for bringing that up, Caroline, because I, um, I, for example, in Writers Week, we open our center to, to the entire community at large, and we help all kinds of people with their projects, their websites, their like all kinds of stuff, which is really, really beautiful. So um, anyway, <laughs> so just putting it out there. Yeah, that's great. We'll have to send everyone over um, your way when, when those events are happening. Um, and then we usually just ask our hosts if they have a little bit of advice for incoming students, newer Northeastern students. Um, and if you were a Northeastern student or are a Northeastern student, what your, what your first year of college was like. And yeah, just like what you, what you would tell your younger self or a newer student. Um, I think in my undergrad, I would have made more of an effort in my first year to go to the office hours for my professors. It helps me realize that they were actually just people and that they weren't like scary. Um, and then it was super helpful um, if I was writing a paper, I could also get their feedback as well, right? Like um, we talked about some scholars being like, you know, in disrepute, like the person who can tell you that is like your professor, right? You might not always know that when you're doing the searches. Um, that would be my thing. If I could go back and change it, I would have I would have tried to go to my professor's office hours more. It was actually super helpful. Um, and even if we didn't talk about things important, sometimes we just chatted and it was nice to have those working relationships um, over time. Yeah, and I think kind of building off of that, um, again, like thinking back on when I was an undergrad, um, now it might be easier for me to talk about research just because it's such a big part of what I have to do. But at the beginning, it is quite, it was quite daunting for me, especially, so I'm like, I'm an international student. Like it, it took 
it was a bit of a phase for me to like get into how to research, etc. So maybe going to a librarian is always super helpful. Um, like genuinely, it's uh, having someone you can go to and ask that is their field. They can direct you to, you know, the top scholars where you can start building off of it. Um, where instead of like what I would do was just like get into these holes and not get at the actual center of the research. And that tends to happen because there's just so much research out there, right? Um, and if you're not very, um, if you don't read up on what's coming out all the time, it might be easy to get lost in all of that um, like scholarship. So just asking around, everyone's just usually just super helpful. Uh, I used to be super intimidated as an undergrad, but people love talking about what they're actually working on. Like that's what they work on most of the time. They just want to talk about it. So asking people is always a good idea. Yeah, I, I think both of you are really good at, at advice, but I, I, I'm going to use like a, a working out analogy. <laughs> Pardon me for this, but really like learning is so much about, you know, um, you know, you, you, there's a strain on you, right? You feel just like when you're trying to get stronger muscles, you, it, it kind of like it's you're working, like you feel the working, you're out of breath. You're So there's some of that going on in learning. And that's instead of like, being anxious about that, right? Which just sort of relaxing and understanding that you're feeling that, that means you're kind of actually transforming. Anything transformative is very, uh, it, it affects you. So that, so it's an intense process to be at school, my point, and it should be, right? And then also the second thing is that nothing is a lost opportunity to, like every, every person you encounter, certainly every class, you might think, well, I'm gonna use this, but you know, but that's just the way it is. Like, things are, are super, um, there, we live in a very connected world in terms, it doesn't, we may not seem disciplines are very connected, but we really do. So it, um, you might not know this thing that you encounter now, how one day it'll be used, it'll, it'll be like the thing that really clicks for you, right? So the other thing about learning is that you don't necessarily experience um, the meaning of what you're learning all the time, just right away, right? So that, that there is you know, a, a building that takes place that you might only be aware of much later. So, so what that means is that being super open is the best thing you can do for yourself. Being like just open and, and being willing to, to get to, to be open to the experience and to give of yourself right um, to it. So um, it's super exciting. I wish I was in the credit again. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, and we always emphasize that interdisciplinary connected network that we have at Pathfinder because it is really so important to have an open mind and to be connected with all different types of learning and all different types of um, industries. So, well, okay, thank you so much, all you wonderful people from the Writing Center. We really appreciate you presenting today and we look forward to working with you hopefully in the future, um, Pathfinder. Sure, thank thanks you so much. Thank you for having us. Pathfinder meets every week for roundtable discussions. We also meet weekly for workshops just like this one. So check out our Google Calendar and join in next time. Thank you so much and have a great day. <laughs>